Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You're listening to the Paranormal UK Radio Network. The best in paranormal talk radio in the UK and around the world. Hello, world. You're listening to Eleanor Wagner's Strange and Scary World here on the Paranormal UK Radio Network, where we're always creeping it real. I'm your host, Eleanor Wagner. Welcome all to my paranormal closet, where the stories and magic take place. Today's guest is a psychic medium who helps others integrate spirituality into their everyday life through psychic development classes, readings, and psychic life coaching. He's an experienced paranormal investigator who, like me, loves to combine his love of history and psychic abilities to open up the world of ghosts, hauntings, and other paranormal realms. To top it off, he's an author as well. Join me in welcoming William Becker to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. You have quite the resume in the uh, footsteps I, of forebears, your book. I see that it's not paranormal in nature. Tell me about it. Well, it is and it isn't. It's more of the psychic mediumship work I do, which is part of what I love. But my grandparents left Russia in 1912. We're Germans. We're not Russians. We were Catherine the Great's. Germans sent to colonize the Volga German area, the lower, lower Volga and such. That was occupied by a few nomadic tribes that used to like to raid, you know, pillage and burn and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> and um, so <laughs> grandma and grandpa were going to go back to Russia after the Tsar had everything back under control. Well, we know how that worked. Um, so they stayed. And I'm here as a result of that. But there was... There were a series of tours by the some of the Volga German associations and Germans from Russia organizations. So some of my cousins and I took one, and we wound up in my grandparents' village as well. And so what this book is, is tracing some of the different villages. Uh, my photograph, or photography mostly, a couple of them I'm in, so somebody else held my camera for me. And the history summations of history and such, and then my readings of the location and the history and what I could see from the people, both the pleasant times and the not-so-pleasant times. Um, mm. There was a very rare, real genocide against the Germans that started in 1915 and went to 1945, and uh, much of my family didn't survive that. You know, and this is the kind of history that should be taught throughout. Mm -hmm. There's so much in history that is lost and not taught. 
it's it's almost like they're, they're, it's hand selected what they want to teach, and they leave out genocide of a lot of different peoples that no one is even aware of. It's really sad. It's only been the last several years that Russia would even talk about us. The Soviet Union pretty much denied we had existed. Our cemeteries were desecrated and, you know, they had stones demolished, taken away and all the rest of it, too. Just like we didn't exist. But I, yeah, right. I agree. And it's not just sub-Saharan Africa. It's not just past abuses in this country. It's something that's World, happened. Worldwide. With- and it's, it, it goes back centuries, centuries. Yes. And I'm with, so glad that you wrote about it. I think that's really important to bring to the forefront. Thank you. And, you know, some of it is what I can do as a medium is pick up more on some of the individual horrors of the families. And like mm. my my grandmother had made a map so we knew right where her houses, the houses of her family were. And her I imagine that must have been really exciting for you to go there, but heart wrenching too, because of your abilities to feel that pain. Oh, I can't even it's, imagine. That's a little of both because I'm not a real empath. So I watch, I see, and I take in, but it's I don't get overwhelmed by these things. Okay, then you're you're lucky because I'm empathic <laughs> and I I would cry and I would just I could never do certain things because I wouldn't be able to handle it. It would just be too much for me. Right. Yes. But there are ways to help work with that. I've worked with people to help control how much they let in at a time. So you can have enough to function appropriately with the people around you, but not get overwhelmed at Costco or Mm. at Auschwitz or some of these other places. Yeah. And so we, we can talk. I want to discuss that, too, in today's program, because I feel like uh, the classes that you offer are very valuable, and I want the listeners to be aware of that. But I still wanted to finish talking about your book because I'm very intrigued. I mean, we're very similar because I do write books, but I write about true account hauntings. I don't know if you know that. And I, I write about the true account hauntings in my community where I live now. And like you... I want to talk about the history. I want to tell the the reader about the history of the town and the location, if I'm able, Mm -hmm. because I feel it's really important that they know about that history because then they can relate to the haunting much better. So, and then I love the the photographs. I'm all about the photographs when I can put them in there. So I think that's a great thing to have in a book such as yours, because it really gives the reader a visual on what you're talking about and what was, what was a reality and where it was. It just puts you right there. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And and you're absolutely right. There is no haunting or paranormal without history. And you don't have right. history without the paranormal. I, I hate that word, actually, because it's pretty normal to me. And through much of human history, it was normal. In 14th century England, the paranormal was pretty just part of life. Isn't that like a lot of things these days? If mm-hmm. somebody doesn't like the way it's presented, they'll just turn it around and change it into something different. And it becomes abnormal and you have to be afraid of even discussing it. So mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. It was very normal and, and and it was feared for a long time because of those changes. And I think now society is really opening up more about spirituality and paranormal. And I'm thrilled about that. Yes, I am, too. And I have my concerns about the way it's 
done sometimes. Sure. And I'm not here to bash or anything. I'm just saying people use, need to use their critical thinking and analytical skills. And sometimes we don't. Right. Me oh, too. I agree. You know, it's it's a human trait. And that's that's all. But yes, and with this book, you know, I got to watch my grandmother's parents kind of going, why? Why us? Opening and closing the same drawers, trying to figure out why they were being moved or persecuted or whatever. And thanks. I don't think there's any answer for that, unfortunately. No. I don't think there's any answer for that. I mean, it, it's unfortunate and happens to people. I, I'm, I'm from Austrian descent, and okay. my parents emigrated, emigrated to this country, and they moved. They, they were in the city in Manhattan for a while as supers, and then they, they decided to buy a home in the Bronx in a little area called Throgs Neck, and they moved into an area that was primarily Italian and Irish. And the block, that we, the block that we lived on was 90% Italian, and there was like this one man who was the mafia of the, the, the neighborhood. And mm-hmm. we unfortunately lived right next to him. And he was horrible to my parents. And he it was like he controlled the neighborhood. And it was as if everybody just, we were the ones that were persecuted, put it that way. Right. From children on up to the adults. It was just, it was the most awful thing. And it got better as the years went on. And when he finally passed away, it, it stopped. Mm-hmm. But that was my entire life. And that's all I remember. And I kept on saying, why? Why us? And you right. do ask that question. And there really is no answer for it. Maybe power, control. I don't know. But it, it, it's a horrible thing. It is. And good psychology classes can explain a lot of it. But it's it doesn't matter because it does horrific damage to people. We could have a Absolutely. whole other program about that and choosing our incarnations into the situations to learn the lessons and why do we wind up in these situations and all that. But that's a little different. I did get a couple. Of, I think the most satisfying things out of the Russia trip were one seeing my my family's homes and reading them yeah. and, and such. But also at my grandfather's father's house, grandpa had the true wicked stepmother. And, oh, really? Yes. And she came flying out of the upstairs part of the house, kind of like the the scene in Fiddler on the Roof when the butcher's dead wife comes to, uh-huh. you know, in Tevia's dream to... No kidding. Yeah. Uh, and because she knew I knew all the stories about her. And right. so I, I got to tell her off good. And, oh, good um, for you. <laughs> and then in the school that grandma would have finished going to, I met grandma on the stairs and we had a nice conversation. And one of the things that really stuck with me was that she said, imagine how broken and unhappy that woman had to have been to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's something it makes you think it makes you see a whole other side and get a totally different perspective on it and maybe even feel a little compassion for right. her, yeah, and not make excuses or no, say, I you know, because a lot of people have gone through that. But understanding, and that's not something ever gra- Grandma ever said while she was alive. Um, mm-hmm. She had nothing but disdain for that woman who had tried to make Grandma miscarry. I mean, she was horrible. Really? I mean, yeah, because <sighs> you know they moved in 
with his parents after they were married, and they were coming to come here and then go back because the families were rich. Mostly it was land and animals, although grandma's grandfather had good whole hard cash, but they, you know, they were going to increase their ability to expand their holdings and get the political situation back under control and move back. And so, mm. you know, all this was kind of a temporary move for a while, but it was, yeah, it was interesting, but I, I love it. I've got a few others similar, only not involved in family in the works, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a while. Oh, wonderful. A yeah. Well, yeah. I, and finding the time. It's uh, you try to keep yourself on schedule. Like I was really looking forward to this past weekend to really get that time to write a little bit because I've been focusing mostly on getting my episodes together for both mm -hmm. the shows. And I came down with a stomach bug. So the whole weekend was shot. I was down for the count. It was really awful. Oh, so, no. yeah. So the whole weekend was shot. So now I'm back to where I was before getting the show together and I have a script to write for Thursday. And then I'm like, all right, when am I going to squeeze in a chapter for the new book that I was hoping to get out by May, which probably won't happen now. So it's life gets yeah. in the way. I can't wait to retire when I can really focus more on doing this full time. So I've got two right. years left till I, till I do that. But <laughs> congratulations. And I Thank basically, um, I started doing this as a profession just before my parents got so ill that I had to move in. And it was pretty much impossible for me to do the regular office job. So I don't know. When did I start? Do you want meant to do it this way? That's, you know, we are led to do yeah. these things. I, I could see spirit ever since I was a kid. I'm not as gifted nearly as you or other people that I work with, but I knew I could see spirit. And then I, I had premonitions when I was a kid and, and it frightened me. And then one that was just awful came true. So mm -hmm. at the age of around 12, I, I shut down and I just was right. like, that was it. And although I still had this fascination with the paranormal and ghosts and all that, I wanted like really nothing to do with any kind of gift. Mm -hmm. And then, but I, here and there, I just kept learning tidbits. And it wasn't until I was 30 when the day my dad died, I was on the GW bridge rushing to be at his bedside when he came to me and told me he was gone. Right. And that was like a this aha moment, you know, like, oh, my goodness. It was almost as if he was saying, hey, I'm here. I'm OK. I'm not ill anymore. And get up off your ass and do something with your gift. Mm -hmm. And that was probably like the beginning of it for me that I just really started to pick and learn things and i've been okay. a writer since the seventh grade so i thought well maybe they go together and right. let the universe let the universe guide me and that's how it happened i mean i wrote my first psychological thriller which is what i was always interested in even though i went to school to write for children but it's those true ghost hauntings that have taken off and that's and that's where i found i've been led so you learn. Some people learn it later, and, and it's meant to be that way, I guess. But you are yeah. learn, you you learn where you're meant to be. Exactly. And you know, I saw my first ghost when I was eight or nine. It was another little boy, and I thought, oh, okay, no big deal. And I started working actively on developing social, the psychic and mediumship abilities when my late teens. So it's not like I'm new oh, okay. to the field. I just didn't right. go professional until later. But I've been working mm -hmm. on this for 
48 years, 49 years, close to 50 years, as far as wow. the psychic abilities go. And then mm -hmm. the ghost stuff even longer, because I'm old. <laughs> but, but it's it's nice, it matures, it gets better. And, you know, that's one of the things, for any of this kind of work, it takes time, it takes maturing in your practice and your understanding, it takes getting to know people and having people skills. You've got to, I mean, honesty, directness, all that is so important. The kindness is part of it. I do gallery readings. I've got one coming up next month. And not everything needs to be blurted out in front of 100 people. And so I give people the chance to meet me backstage and I'll try to remember and I'll try to reconnect. I can't guarantee that's going to happen, but I have to do that instead of saying it all up front. If once we've established that, yeah, and they know what I, they know, I know what I'm talking about. Right. And how far they want this to then go. It, then it kind of flows. Well, let's, let's discuss your paranormal side. You teach these psychic development classes and you give the readings like you just mentioned and psychic life coaching. What are the psychic development classes? What do they involve? I know you just started to, to speak a little bit about them, but what does it involve? It depends a little bit on the class. Now I have a regular monthly class I teach in Oregon City at a haunted coffee shop. If you're going to oh, teach people, cool. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to teach people how to talk to ghosts, you got to have ghosts to talk to. And that's right. Shop, people forget <laughs> that, especially a town like Oregon City, which is the oldest incorporated city west of the Mississippi River, and was the territorial capital for what is now Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Western Montana and Western Wyoming. We were the big kids on the block. San Francisco's charter is here. Because we, we were the power structure, the you know the recognized government of from the United States, and so a lot of these places had houses and other things. And beforehand, compared to New York or New England, you know we we have very little history. I say history because Native American didn't have written histories, so technically it would be prehistoric. Uh, as far as the European settlers go back. We're new, we're new kids on the block. I get that. But doesn't mean we don't have lots of ghosts. Sure. And these classes, it depends on who's there. We work on grounding. We work on shielding and filtering. And it's a filter and a shield combination that can help you with empath, you know, blocking, tuning down how much you get of other people's emotions. We work with, depending on what it is, with some of my more specialized workshops we go from working with how do you feel how do you find the entities that are in the room and then helping people to make the contact how do you make connection what's it like working well with that's others? true because everybody receives that message differently i know from my paranormal group the team everybody gets mm -hmm. it differently and personally i call it my foofy feeling when i get into a building and I walk around, I get this foofy feeling. It's almost mm -hmm. like I, I'm drunk even. I feel like I'm drunk and I'm off center. And if it's bad, I get the feeling it's bad. If it's good, I get the feeling it's good. So that's right. for me. But everybody receives it differently. So I guess you got to kind of like tune into that person's vibe to help them understand it better and maybe control it or recognize it. or Right, recognize, but then go from, oh, okay, 
now I recognize there's something here. Let's learn how to communicate with it. Let's learn how to get a better understanding of who or what it is. And sometimes that means they can see it through the third eye. Sometimes it's just knowing. A lot of times clients I work with, students, at the beginning they'll know something and they'll know it's the brown-haired little girl with the yellow dress and and uh, sparkly blue eyes, just like I'm seeing, but they won't see her, they'll know it. But then over time, as they work on their prep, their skills and develop their abilities, they'll know it, they'll see it, they'll hear it. They, I mean, all the pieces start coming together. Um, Are you of the belief that everybody has the ability, they just need to be able to tap into it? Yes. I think it's part of our DNA going back millennia. I mean, we've only had language. I have a bachelor's degree in history, so I've been a history fanatic all my life. And the ancient world is what really gets me, you know, gets me going. And I think the best that we can figure language is maybe... 30,000, 50,000 years old, give or take. We don't know for sure when people, mm -hmm. humans started having an actual language to communicate, but that's one of the thoughts that I've read more recently. And I stay away from conspiracy stuff. I like, I don't, I don't want junk science. I want real science. And, you know, by people are there that are recognized and well-trained and all the rest of it. But and that didn't come out right. I don't quite mean that the way it sounded. But anyway, I, I think it helped keep us from being eaten by saber-toothed tigers and getting hit on the head by fellow uh, early humans and to connect and communicate with our own, our own clans, our own little communities. I can't prove it, but that makes sense to me both as something I pick up as a medium and I don't ever call myself a historian, but somebody with uh, a big interest in history. So, um, yeah. And how do you feel about the gadgets and things that people use when they paranormal investigate to help them connect with spirits, such as, I know a lot of people use the Ouija board. I'm uncomfortable using that, but I do use a dowsing rod and a pendulum to help me connect Although people would liken the dowsing rod and the pendulum to the Ouija board anyway. So it's kind of like, all right. But we do bring more traditional methods in my particular investigative group as opposed to some other groups that use some like extraordinarily intricate gadgets in their investigations. Uh, what is your take on all that? For me personally, I like to talk to people. And so I like to go in just as I am, and see who wants to talk to me and communicate. And I'll often have a, rec a video or something going to at least record my part of it, because often the entities have told me, why should we go to all that work when I've asked them to show up on the film or the camera or in the video, when you can mm -hmm. see us and hear us? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but I can't prove it True. if you don't show up here. <laughs> And so that's true. <laughs> yeah. So I like to do that. I don't use, I have a friend who's a very gifted tarot card reader, but she studied 
with some real experts for a very long time. My problem with things like pendulums and dowsing rods is it's so easy for our subconscious to move them without knowing it. It's so easy to subconsciously move them ourselves. It takes very little just movement of the hand to make something happen. Now, if you could put them in some kind of a lock position where you're not holding them and they're not angled at all or tilted, mm-hmm. you put them down someplace or the pendulum. I, ha- I hang it on a rack. I have like a rack and I hang right. it on the rack. Right. And then, you know, you don't a little, you don't consider a little bit of movement from a little light breeze that we don't even feel, but something bigger, then I think that has have a lot of merit to them. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying the other doesn't. It's just that it's so easy for us to make them work the way we want them to without even mm-hmm. knowing we're doing it. Some people would would say, I, I totally get what you're, what you're talking about, how we can make them move. But some people would say that the spirit goes within the individual and is making it move. And that's possible, too. I just I think there are so many uncertainties with it that mm-hmm. it's difficult to know. Now, I know people I have a friend who's an archaeologist who's used them in digs quite successfully. And with this. Oh, digs, yeah. Yeah. And wow. so not in a metaphysical way, but the other way. I know there's something there when used correctly. I just. True. And then if you if you I feel like if you're on a roll if you're asking questions and you're getting definitive answers to your questions, it's kind of hard to negate exactly. what you're experiencing. It's very easy for you to say, oh, that, that was something, and then if nothing else happens, then it really was nothing. But right. if you continue on and you're actually getting responses and answers to whatever it is you're trying to unfold, then I feel that you can accept it as truth and something. Um, especially if you can validate it after the fact. Correct. That makes it even, oh, that makes it even better. Right. Because our minds go in different weird ways. I've known people who have gotten, who people I trust who aren't faking anything, who've gotten some fascinating information from a Ouija board that was later verified. They didn't know at the time. I also have taken or participated in some remote viewing experiments and mm-hmm. working with things. And I watched somebody in one of these cheat on a Ouija board session where she was the one pushing it and making it go mm. all over. And then I later found out, I wrote it up, my you know, my report. And I mm-hmm. found out that that was exactly what was going on at the session. Um, which is where, which is where the history comes in, where you were saying, if you can actually prove or disprove something. I just interviewed somebody in my last show, Chris Whitehouse from Whitehouse investigative team in the UK. And he Uh had said, um, he says, I'm not really out to prove anything to anybody. I'm not out to convince anybody that what we go through actually happens. Mm -hmm. It's really, if I know it's happened, then it's happened. He says, but we do record everything and we do have a live audience that watches it. And then they put comments in as things are going along. And they were at this, this, investigation and a little girl came through and she was looking for her shoe and she said it was a red shoe and it, it it's in the stream and I can't get it out and comments were coming in and I guess one of the viewers went oh my goodness 
the red shoe murder. And this is how they unraveled the truth of whatever it was they were unfolding. They had no clue that this had ever happened, but there was a little girl who was actually murdered and lost her red shoe in the stream. And uh, he said it was the most amazing thing that this unfolded for them because it was totally out of the blue, unprepared for it, that they Mm -hmm. found out that this little girl was um, um, murdered by her father's lover. Of course, back in the day, in like the 50s, that was frowned upon, and he was a married man, and he was having this affair with a man, and she saw her dad and him kissing, and the fact that she was caught was why she was murdered. But I thought it was just very cool that this history of this murder helped them to solve this visitation that they had from this little girl. Oh, that's fascinating. Isn't it? Yeah, and that poor little girl, but it brings up so many of the injustices of our modern history. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, I'm not getting, I, I don't do politics on paranormal shows. That's not what they're for, but it's, it's fascinating. And the guy, I mean, I agree with the stance people. I don't expect people to believe what I say because I say so. I'm right. highly skeptical. I believe in what I see or what I, what I'm talking about because of direct physical occurrences over and over again that have verified, yes, these creatures exist, or yes, I am a very good medium, or the different things I've had the experiences to back it all up. And that's important. And But it also means somebody I don't know doesn't have to believe me. Right. If they haven't if they haven't seen it or don't know me, it's but maybe they'll think about it. And, and you're sharing uh, the experience and they're listening and, and um I don't know, getting whatever it is they get out of it. But I, exactly. I mean, I'm not out to prove anything to anybody either. I'm just sharing my experiences and hoping that it gets the word out about the paranormal and makes them think. Plant that seed, I guess is the best way to say right. it. And take away some of the fear, because I've I've met some beings that aren't very nice and I've met some that try to scare you because they want to be left alone, but I haven't met anything evil and certainly not pure evil. I haven't met anything pure good either. I haven't met anything trapped. And so I try to help people be a little bit more open-minded what's around and be a little less afraid. And often in a house or a building or some kind of a situation, You can set ground rules. I've Mm -hmm. worked with people several times where they've wanted the entity gone. And after I've talked to them about it and who it is or what it is, and we've chatted a bit, they're happy to let it stay with a few ground rules. Yeah. Because the fear is gone. That's right. That's one of our mission statements, too, in our group. the, The first thing is we're there for the spirits. We're there to get their message and receive their message and try and understand what it is that they want to say. And that the second Mm -hmm. thing is if they don't want to move on and these people are living in their space, right. Finding that connection that they could live together amicably. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Exactly. And I've watched a lot of quote experts, supposedly clear spaces and I've watched the entities laugh at them. Or, <laughs> or every case I've heard of, within a week, they're all back again. And they're not happy. 
worse and with the wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I have my doubts about things working. And again, I just don't think anybody's stuck or trapped. Some people make a choice to stay. I think a lot of them visit back and forth. And sure. a lot of times what we have is we I think we leave a part of our personality, our intellect can be intelligent, it can interact with us, but it's really not the full soul, the soul or the spirit. It's gone in what's needed to be done. It's part of that person's reality that, from when they were here. And sometimes you can get a difference. Well, I'll use my dad as an example. I get confused sometimes because I feel like I get two different messages from him. And I realized, okay, one is coming from the rest, the personality he left in this house. Nobody died in this house. They had it built and they both died in hospitals or facilities or whatever. But, but it's that. And when I connect with him, we're truly on the other side, the full self, it's a very different perspective because it's, he's learned more. His mm. spirit, his soul have it's learned and healed. Soul. Yes. Yeah. And so I think a huge part of what we experience, nah, let me rephrase it. What I experience are the entities that they leave that piece of their, their intellect and personality. The entities that leave that piece of their internet intellect and personality. And I think, oh, where was I going with that? Excuse me. I am more than a little bit ADHD. It's again, we can't prove it, but I don't think, I don't think things fit in nice little boxes. And I use the word entity because I don't like to put a definition that's very defining on anything. I like beings to tell me who they are or what they want to be called instead of creating an image around them that they may not appreciate. And it's like with the others, the Fae or something too. I don't, I don't try to name them based on mythology or superstition. It's, you know, you tell me who you are and that's what I'll call you. And the key Lots of respect. You've been able to get their names and verify who they were as I've well? Got, I've got, with the Fae, I've gotten not their personal names from them, but I've had several times that tell me what they are. You know, I've had a couple tell me that they're sprites or some that are brownies or things like that. In North America, we have Pukwudgies or Pudgewakis. I always get the middle of it mixed up. <laughs> um, and most of the Native American tribes speak about them. Some of them consider them just purely nasty, horrible beings. Some of them say if they like you, they're fine. And if they don't like you, watch out. Would they be considered like elementals? I consider them to be that way because I think they're mm -hmm. in and out. All of the beings that I'm aware of are interdimensional, basically. They're in and out of our 3D realm. And that's part of why we can see them sometimes and not other times. And why mm. we can sense them sometimes and not other times. But when we sense them, not necessarily see them. And I have physically seen at least a half a dozen, maybe more, no of different kinds. Of different kinds wow. with my two eyes. Mm. I, 
Otherwise, I would say this is what I'm picking up, but I don't know if it's true. I mean, I don't know if they're real. But when I've seen them with my physical eye, and you don't have to be in Ireland or the, uh, the Isles of Great Britain to see them. I've seen them around here in forests. In fact, one of the ones I saw was about in a park about two miles from my house. In the middle of the day, it was starting to materialize between two trees, kind of like on Star Trek with the, uh, whatever that machine is that they send you back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that they come out because they know you can see them? That, oh, that guy, I know he can see me. Let me present myself to him and get his attention kind of thing? Sometimes that's true. Like the case with this, which was a dwarf-type creature, I don't think he knew I was there because when he saw me, he started fading away again. Mm. It's like he didn't come. He was coming through whatever this veil or portal or whatever it is you want to call it. And it's like, oh, there's somebody here. And he, he went back. So it's a little bit of both, depending on the being. But I know that some of them have wanted me to see them. Mm. So Interesting. So getting back to your psychic development classes, we totally went off track there. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, uh, no, I, it's great. I love it. I find it so interesting. <laughs> oh, thank you. But some of the, so the, the basic class we work on just developing more and more of the ability to talk to basically the human entities that are around and how to recognize from just yourself when there's something there without having to use a meter or something else. I think our bodies are better machines about that anyway. But I also do more advanced classes where I will help people go to other realms where some of these other beings live and to also help them see them here, at least be aware of them. If they're not seeing them physically, at least being more aware of them and starting to have a communication or a contact with them. And I've also worked with them sometimes with astro projection, astro travel. Oh, I was just going to ask you that. That is so yeah. funny. You read my mind. That's what it was. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to ask you about that. That Great. is so funny. And remote work, you know, things like that after people have done mm-hmm. this for a while. And I like people who have been around for a while to do that. So they have a little bit more sense of responsibility and care and and all the rest of it. And we go through some some ideas about helping to remain safe. I don't Yeah, think- because it, from what I understand, that astral projection can be quite scary as you go through the levels. Like when you first go there, it's almost like they don't want you there. And you kind of get like, I don't want to say attacked, but you, you meet with beings that are, don't really want you there. And then I guess once you are not afraid of them and they see that they're not affecting you, you can move further in. Now I've astral projected myself, but it wasn't intentional. It was in my sleep. It may have happened more, more often than I realized, but I, when it has happened to me, I've been thrilled and it's only been to the extent that I've gone up through the roof of my house and I'm in the sky and I can feel the breeze and I see the stars and I look down and there's my house and I'm like, wow, this is cool. And then right. I can't remember anything else and I can't remember what happened after that. And mm-hmm. it's happened that way every time. And I, I almost wish I could find out more, but don't know how. And I'm a little bit afraid, too. 
So, right. and, and after my Vin, I interviewed uh, a gentleman, Vince Field, who deals in astral projection and listening to him terrified me even more. It was like, shit, I don't know if I want to do that now, you know? Like, <laughs> so there's and a I part have, of me that does, and there's a part of me that doesn't. And I haven't had any, any issues with it. I don't do, a, I do remote viewing and remote work more often than astro, but they're kind of similar because you're, you're removing part of yourself and going someplace. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of what I do with the remote viewing is I just say I'm lazy. I bring it to me instead. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's just another way of doing it, but it, it works. And there's knowing that you're safe is a big part. Cause you're right. If the, if there's something out there trying to intimidate you and they figure out that you know that they can't hurt you and you're they're you're not inti- we're not intimidated it's like oh okay and they go away or they get nice mm-hmm. they can be like a bully you stand up for yourself and all of a sudden they're your best friend mm-hmm. um, but usually with that i start out by taking people to meet their guide at the acacia record and then working with that guide to help choose where and how to go. You mean you, you find the person's guide? I help them find their guide. I don't wow. tell them. I don't tell them. It's, you know, I give them, I take them on a guided meditation, usually to find it themselves. And give, find, you give them the tools to discover who their guide is. You give right. them the tools to discover who their guide is. Is that how I'm understanding it? Right. And I take them on a journey to help do that and it's the akashic record guide it's different than a spirit guide although i take them on journeys for that as well and mm-hmm. the akashic record guide then i use as a because that's what, what i do when i want to go visit other other realms and it's someplace i haven't been before or it's new to me i'll check with um robert he's my guide at the record and verify that this is an okay place for me to go just because it's important. And some of the realms we can have, you know, soul contacts with anyway. And so it's a different feel, but I don't do it. As we were talking about it, I don't do enough. I get caught up in so much day to day stuff that I forget to go to the places that I really like to go. How many realms do you think there are? I don't know. I have no idea. Mm. I don't, I don't think we'll ever know. I, any human being will we i th- i think we're given the ones that um we're allowed or interested in and who knows how many others there are so how does the the psychic life coaching how does that fit into the whole gamut well a lot of what that includes is past life work and i'm i'm not a hypnotist i don't do regressions i do readings and the past lives that are relevant are usually the ones that I see. And we work with those as part of the integration. A lot of times they help explain fears, likes, dislikes, working with the calling, what is our purpose on earth, and then also mm-hmm. the the people around somebody. And so, you know, people that have died or loved ones or sometimes they're people they never knew. 
Yeah, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's even people they haven't known. But what are the messages and what are the things that they are encouraging this person to do or not do? And how do you how do you connect to that? Are you like one of those people like we've seen on television that goes up to a person and says, taps them on the shoulder and says, um, you have somebody standing around you. Can I can I talk to you because I'm a medium and I see this person and the person's usually like Okay, and there you go, explaining who this person is and what their message is. Is that how you see it, or is there some other way that you do that? I usually see the person around the other person and mm-hmm. the message and that kind of thing. I don't go up to strangers and tap them on the shoulder. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people say that's how you I see. always wanted somebody to tap me on the shoulder and come up to me and say, hey, I see somebody. Seriously. <laughs> I wouldn't think it's rude at all. I just, I mean, if it was somebody, it depends on who it is for me personally. Mm. But there's kind of an ethic about you don't read people until, unless you have permission. They give you permission. They give you permission. But at the same time, it just can be kind of shocking. And I mean, for some people it works and some people it, it doesn't. I'm Right. It depends on the person's personality. I'm one of those people. You can read me anytime. Mm-hmm. You, I have no problem. You read me. But, yeah. And uh, that's I, me. Not everybody feels that way. So I get it. Yeah. And I'm pretty much the same way as you are with that. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to intrude onto the others that way. Because yeah, sometimes it might be a really important message that that person really needs to hear. And if you if you that moment is lost then it's lost forever. So well, I tell them, actually, I'm not paying attention when I'm at the grocery store. I'm looking at what I want is I want to buy and when I'm there to buy. (laughs) Yeah. So you've been able, you've been able to shut it out and, and only open up to it when you need to. Yeah. Or when it's really strong around me, shoot, sitting in my own house, half the time I have other people tell me what's going on simply because I'm doing something else and right. Okay. Yeah, those footsteps are loud enough. I hear them. Okay. Yeah, I know you're here. Thanks. <laughs> or like in bed you, last you, night. You, I... were just, you were just mentioning about, and I find this very intriguing because I've never heard of it before. You just mentioned that you do readings and the past lives that are important come through. I've never heard that before. That is so interesting because it is a form of Past life regression in a way, as opposed to hypnosis, because I have gone through past life regression. It was the very Mm -hmm. first time I ever did it. And you almost get this feeling like, did anything really happen? But there are things that had happened that were kind of undeniable. Like I Mm -hmm. saw, I went in there with these past lives that I believe that I've lived, the certain connections that I had. And so I, I have a strong connection to the Victorian era. I'm all about it. I feel like I've been there, done that. And loved it. And twice. Twice. Thank one you. Male, and one then there really. Thank you. And I also have a connection to the Titanic. I don't know why, but other than the fact that my grandma was almost on the Titanic, but stayed behind because her triplets were very ill and she would have been below deck and would have perished, and my dad would never be alive and I wouldn't be here. That's the only thing, but I just feel like there was some other connection to the Titanic. I remember going to see that movie and being devastated for months. Months. That's how much it affected me. But that's the empathic side of me as well. So it kind of was a little confusing. But I And I also had a, a dream, a very vivid dream of 
of somewhere in like the 40s or the 50s. So I went in there hoping to learn about those. And all of a sudden, these other ones came up. And was I making it up in my head or did it actually happen? <laughs> you know, see, so you, you wonder, you come out of there right. thinking, because I saw, I saw faces and they're still vivid in my mind from that regression. And mm-hmm. were they past lives of mine or not? You know what I mean? Right. Right. I've had very little regression work done on me, some with somebody, but I don't know. You know, I'm not aware enough how good of a hypnotist she is. And right, that person, makes it a, a good person there. Yeah, a friend, but I don't have the experience and I felt far too unhypnotized. I was I was a little. I, I well, don't know enough about too. it. Yeah, that's that's a question, too. And or not because they say that you have such a a witness to your present surroundings while you're being hypnotized that it's really hard to distinguish whether you're actually being hypnotized or not so that's where I have a struggle with it but it is hard for me to deny that these visions came through but it didn't answer any of the questions that I went in there for (laughs) so I was kind of back to square one (laughs) right oh that's too bad but yeah it's the way it works sometimes. And I've peop- had people I ask me, well, uh, people come to me hoping a certain loved one's going to come through to them too. And they don't always. And now. No, the ones that have something to say that want to come through are going to come through when they want to come through. Right. Yeah. And some of them aren't quite ready yet. And so mm. I will talk I and, about that. Yeah. And if somebody isn't receiving who they want to receive, I'll ask them. And see if I can make connection more directly that way. Mm-hmm. And then if I get somebody and I can describe the person to them and we can establish, yes, this is so-and-so. And then whatever the message is. And it's usually, yeah, I'm around, but I'm I'm healing. I'm busy. Oh, I'm, I'm healing and busy. I'm still learning. I'm Because, you know, this life on this planet is pretty brutal. It's just a lesson. And it's just a lesson. Yeah. Brutal, you said? Yeah. And I think our souls often go off to the next pretty beaten up. Exhausted. And exhausted. Yeah. And it I often see that. takes a while to get our bearings and to heal enough that we just want to do anything. And everybody's relationships can be complicated with the different people. And there's a difference just because mm. somebody is a best friend or a, a close relative here doesn't mean you're part of the same soul group where you'd be traveling. You know, the souls, the main part of your souls would be together like a family and reincarnating often together. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, um, a gentleman named Brian Stalin who believes in those soul families. And he, he says that there are certain soul families that we do circle in lives Mm-hmm. that we reincarnate with and right. in different in one you could be a mother and a brother or spouses or however but we do have those soul families that we relive other lives with yeah i that's my experience working in the field with people and sometimes it's a, a little embarrassing when you have a brother and a sister and you, you guys were husband and wife at one point <laughs> yeah or, yeah a child, you know, a, a mother and son or something like that, a father-daughter, and it was, yeah, it's just kind of fun. I'm under but, the impression that my older daughter was once my mother, 
Very and she's not receiving me. She's not receiving me as a mother very well because she likes to mother me. Okay. So, but that's probably her experience in this life. You know what I mean? So, has she done a lot? <laughs> she focuses kind of on taking care of others. She she's um or thinks that's care what's of expected. She's 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 an animal lover. She's all about taking care of animals and she's, she's definitely empathic because she feels their pain extremely. She's, she's a perfectionist, but she doesn't receive me being a mom very well. She still wants to be in charge. Mm -hmm. So, but that's, you know, that's her lesson to learn. I'm, I'm, you know, well, it's both of your lessons because you put yourself in the position to have uh, that kind a child with that kind of a piece to the right. nature so right mm-hmm. oh you're right and, and i have to do do the best that i can and believe that i'm doing the best that i can and not knock myself out if it doesn't come out the way that i had hoped that it would which is a struggle because of that because i'm an empath right. and, you know it's really a, a struggle for me every single day i i have two daughters i you know, and they're both extremely different and I love them equally the same. Right. You know what I mean? But I have a better relationship with one than I do the other. And um, it gets hard. It gets really yeah. hard because it wasn't always that way. I was always in a great relationship with both my girls. You know what I mean? They were both. I was very close with both of them. But the older she gets, the stronger and harder she is. And. Well, it is what it is. You know, like I said, it's yeah. her lesson and mine, and I'm doing the best that I can, so. Right, and who knows what it is that she's trying to learn through and struggle through herself and keep control over herself or whatever. I I don't know. I don't, I don't have the psychology degree. I'm very mm. careful. Actually, that's something for mediums in general. I always make sure I emphasize with my clients I am not a doctor. I have no medical training. I have no med- mental health or mental health counselor training. I'm not a lawyer without, and I have absolutely no training. I'm not qualified to speak on any of these issues. When I am talking about something along these lines, it's because of what I'm getting from the beings around you and what they're saying, or simply having maybe been on this planet for 60 some years and a little wisdom I picked up along the way of something that may be helpful. Well, I got news for you. I got huh? news for you that ther- the therapists don't know what to say either. <laughs> they, they pretty much <laughs> tell you, you do it. You're doing the best you can. Keep the lines of the communication open. You you're in a better position than some people are. Get this: that you're in a better position than some people are because some people don't even have a relationship with their kids. They right. they 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 have nothing and they have no clue why. They don't understand what they did wrong. I'm like. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So if she wants to come around, she'll come around. If she doesn't, she doesn't. I just need to, you know, continue with my journey and take it from there. And so that's, that was my therapist's advice. So they didn't know really what to say either. And it could be that, you know, a therapist working for her or something. And again, I'm just putting out in generalities. There's so much of this. Sure. And I think it has something to do with the past life with her. I really do. And it's an injury does she have dark hair? Not not dark, dark hair, but um, kind of like my roots. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 
because I'm I'm seeing this side that and it's it goes back a ways and I think it's a confusion and it's a not understanding and and here I'm doing what I said it's rude to do I'm giving your daughter a reading that she doesn't even know <laughs> that's okay well and I'm not going to totally read her I'm just saying I think there's I'm something sure she would appreciate it because she loves this sort of stuff okay she may not if, like what she hears but she does go for reading so well if it's appropriate and it works I think there's I just see like this darker turmoil thing and I keep seeing a knife and it's like there's something from the past a past life could be something from this life as a little kid even or as not so little that she hasn't understood or maybe misunderstood but it's past and if it was this life it it built more on what was in a past life mm. and i'm not getting a lot more about what that's about but there's a knife facing up you know the tip here and the handle down here and it's the flat of the blade is that's symbolic for. for you in other words that knife is symbolic it kind of gives you an idea of what it's the first time i've seen it like that hmm. so i don't i don't know what it is and then like i say this kind of dark swirly energy hope it doesn't mean she's fallen on her knife because oh no it, it, i mean no, because in my, my my the way i see the way i interpret the whole situation is that she she is she is living her life. She is making her decisions in her life and she's missing out on so much, so much that she she doesn't have to miss out on. And it makes me sad. It breaks my heart because I love her right. so much with all of my being. And and that, that's probably why it hurts so much. You know, when they go through things like that, you, you hurt as a parent. Oh, you yeah. really do. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I gave my parents plenty of hurt. Yeah, so there's just something there. That's what I get. And I think it's workable. She has to be willing to do the work both probably from a past life perspective and also from a good match and a therapist for her to help get she, I, I I wished I've been encouraging her to go to a therapist, saying, but she's she's past believing in therapy, therapy anymore. Although she'll Google. Google and, and read up on whatever's online and she almost applies it to her situation with, you know, because she thinks that's how it goes. And it's right. just, well, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. Or, or, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> I feel like when she's ready to come around, she'll come around and the door will always be open. Her, my love and my heart and her dad's love and his heart will, will always be here for her. I just yeah. think she's, um, very unhappy with her own life and she needs to figure that out. So yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I'm sorry. All of you are having to go through that and I don't read the Thank future. You. I'm not going to tell you how it turns out. Cause I have no idea, mm -hmm. but I know it's hard. One of the things that takes some time and work to do is be okay with not being able to fix. I'm talking about me and as a medium, not have all the mm -hmm. answers and not be able to fix everything because i grew up being right. the, that's the, the hardest caregiver, part. fixer the hardest part. you name it and uh -huh. uh, me too i don't have that i don't have that role anymore i took on i was given more of it than i should have been given as a kid mm -hmm. and took it on the wrong way and i don't have to do that anymore 
And so I'm. And that's the point. I think that's the point that you have to get to. You have to get to the point. And that's where I'm at right now. That's so perfect that you said that. You have to get to the point where you said, I'm done. I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. I've tried what I can and I need to do me now. I need right. to like concentrate on me. And so yeah. when you're ready to come around and you're ready to focus on you and, and putting this whole thing back together again, then let's go for it. The door Excellent. will always be open. Yeah. Oh, it's very awesome. hard. It's very yes. hard. And I, I've, I've come so close to the precipice many times and I've turned back and, and, and got where I started, but now I'm past the point of return. So, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was okay. I was, I have a sister, but she lives a thousand miles away and has a family that doesn't let go very much often. And so I was for all practical purpose for all the several years of my parents' illnesses um, leading up to their passing nine and 10 years ago, I was it. And even before that, I was the one that lived close by. So I was always the one that was... The burden was the, always on you. Yeah, the caregiver and yeah. stuff. And so when they both passed, I didn't need to do that for anybody anymore. It's like, okay, I'm done. And I'm glad I could help them in the, their final years and be with them when they passed and all the rest of it. But mm-hmm. but I'm single. I, I don't have children. My sister has a niece and nephew. Her motherly realm gets to deal with that. I don't have to try to do anything that raised them i they're adults you know and um mm-hmm. so now i can take care of me and and that's a help. good thing yeah and it's not that i'm not compassionate towards people and, and whatever and i listen and i help friends when i can and you know things like that but there isn't the same sense of obligation it's a a case by case more of a choice more of a freedom and i've right. gotten i can see that yeah and very good at saying no when it's not something i can do so i think that's an important important lesson to learn to be able to say no yes sometimes it's it's harder for others mm-hmm. to do that i think so. so it's part of the advantage of growing older I can give you lots of disadvantages. Yes. <laughs> yes. But getting older definitely has its effects on you for sure. Because, huh? you know, I'm 57 and let's be realistic. You don't know how many you get this to this point in time. You don't know how much longer you're going to be around, how much time you have. So you think, well, if I got 20 years, I want those 20 years to be fruitful and happy. Right. And I'm going to I'm going to get rid of all the negativity and I'm I'm not going to be about the drama because yep. there can be a lot of drama even in the paranormal world. Not oh, going to be about it in the paranormal world. I oh walked, my I, god. I, I got felt- a taste of it. It was it was a smack in the face and I oh, thought no. what hit me? I was never so devastated in my life. I thought this can't be happening. And it is, it was devastating. It really was very heart wrenching to have this happen to me. And I said to myself, yeah, I'm like, how could this be happening? Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's a long story, but anyway, yeah, the paranormal drama. And when I finally got the brew it, 
I was like breathing and I thought, okay, now I have to do things to protect myself from this. I can't allow this to happen again because it caught me, it knocked me off my feet. It really did. And I never expected it. And then I talked to other people and they're like, oh my God, you're only experiencing now. There's so much paranormal drama. And then they started sharing their own experiences. And I was just like, oh my God, are you for real? And they're like, yeah. I'm I'm like, no, I can't let that happen to me anymore. (laughs) So no, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. And I think one of the things we have to realize in this field is that a lot of people are drawn to it out of a need to feel special and unique mm-hmm. and appreciated or valued. A lot of broken people come here and use this as kind of the, yeah. And they haven't done the other work needed to work on those issues. There are also a lot of outstanding, incredibly wonderful, kind human beings who are brilliant and do outstanding work. And those are the people that I want to be drawn to. Those are the people that I want to work with because I'm all about let's do this together and learn together and learn with each other. And Mm -hmm. I don't like this, oh, I'm stepping on somebody's toes or I'm better than you are or, you know, I don't, she, she, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, I am not about that. We're about learning together and teaching each other. And I, my thing was, I'm a very, I'm a very caring person and I've tried to include everybody. And if if I saw somebody that was uh, alone and in need, I wanted to bring them into the group, you know, to make them feel like they were part of something. And it just, it came to bite me in the ass and in tenfold, it was just really, really, really bad. So now I need to be very careful of who I deal with and make sure that I'm protected because I'm not going to go through that again. It was really very devastating to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And it was rough. And good for you with that. I'm very selective on who I work with. I'm not part of the team. I I get tired of looking at meters and stuff after a while. <laughs> well, you uh, shouldn't. You, you don't have the need to do so. So you're very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I like to go wander around and see who wants to talk to me. And I'll video yeah. what I'm doing to make a record of it. And once they're done talking to me, it's like, okay, I can go home now. it's true right why are you staying until three o'clock it's um i've seen chairs move before it's okay but then i lost my train of thought on that but it's (laughs) it's just the piece that i oh yeah i'm careful about other mediums i work with Mm. i know a couple i have one really good friend who's actually a very good medium who was quite new at all of this and he took some of my classes and he did a little bit of work, I think, with somebody else. He's the only one I really know of as being as good as he is that fast. Because usually, like I say, I was doing this for decades before I went professional. I, Ankasha Menti is a very dear friend of mine and just one of the best mediums I've ever encountered. She did it for decades and studied and developed and learned before she went professional. Uh, I mean, there's just, you don't wake up and decide to put a shingle out and say, hi, I'm a medium, come give me money to read. And just like with any other profession, you have to do the work and- And learn. mm -hmm. And a lot of that's getting over our egos and being willing to say things that 
put us out on a limb. Mm. I remember, it's an example I use. Sometimes the most ridiculous sounding thing is actually very accurate. I was doing some remote work for somebody I knew in a town that's, I don't know, about a six, seven hour drive from where I live. She's in eastern Washington someplace, kind of desert, Native American reservations around and, and different things. And I said, okay, well, this sounds like a really bad B movie, but the cement, the gray cement brick wall is here in front of the stone wall. The tunnel entrance is here, the dead bodies here, and the treasures here. And she said, well, the place was used as a mob hideout and loot hideout. The gray cement block wall is here. The stone wall is here. The tunnel entrance is here. And there was somebody killed close by, but they haven't looked for the body yet. So we don't know if the body Wow. But the mm-hmm. So you said what it. you said, whatever came to you, and it really checked out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's what I've heard. If it comes to you, as silly as it sounds, just say it, because you never know what's going to be the connection. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's a symbolism. I, for the same person, I was reading a location once, and I described it as this big Victorian, dark, secretive, you know, tower, kind of mm-hmm. big gated house. Uh, it's a 50s ranch but the people inside it had the personality of the very guarded very gate kind of gated personality victorian so the house oh, I I see. was a symbol of of the their personalities yeah. i see and, interesting uh, yeah so i mean that's just something that we all have to be aware of as we give the readings and we we change and we learn and we grow over time. I mean, we should mm-hmm. be. Yeah. If we aren't, we might want to look and say what's going on. So, question it. Yeah. Well, this is this has been so wonderful. I really enjoyed our conversation, very much so. And I, I would to. love for you to to tell our listeners exactly how they can reach you and find you if they want to enroll in any of your classes. Mind you, those classes they can do virtually, correct? If they need yes. to. I can do virtual classes. I love to go on the road and give classes and workshops. We need to make sure there's enough and the draw and everything that I can make it pencil out. Mm-hmm. I hate to put that piece of it in, but I'm not independently. No, I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I do have a paranormal team and, you know, maybe I can pull something together for you. Because I'd love to bring that aspect. And if not, you know, virtually is great. And could even sit around in a spot with the haunted spot like this and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I have a website now. I can't get into it quite right now. It's very out of date, but paranormalinsights.net is my website. And you can sign up for my free newsletter there. And you can also buy the self-published copy of my book, which is in color. I have a published copy, a publisher did, that's black and white. And that's, both of those are on Amazon. And then Para Insights is Facebook. And I think Paranormal Insights is Instagram. Um, And the name of your book is Footsteps of My Forebears. Yes. Um, And then there's a subtitle, and I have to read it to remember exactly. Um, (laughs) 
but I'd love to have it. William at Paranormal Insights is my email. If I don't get back to you in a day or two on email, it's because I'm trying to figure out this new system and I get lost. So write back because I try to be very good about that. And if you see a phone number for me, don't use it because it's always spam. And so I never bother answering it or checking it anymore. I've loved this. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Ghostly listeners, you can follow me on my website, authoreleanorwagner.com, where there are links to my books and video updates and photographs. Thank you, paranormal enthusiasts, for tuning in today. I hope you'll come back again. Remember to tap into your own gifts. Everyone has them. And in the meantime, make sure you're creeping it real. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.